0: hi sunshine i'm natasha your host for the shine online podcast and the founder of soul studio In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. Hello and welcome back to the show everyone. We have an amazing repeat guest that is gracing us with her presence and her pups. (laughs) It is my friend Carson. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I'm so glad to be back. And so we need to plug your first episode which was literally eons ago when the show just started Launched. I mean, probably yeah. would be interesting for us to like react to that episode because talked all about mental health. No, this is my third time. This is my this is my third episode. Right? But, yeah, because third
1: December two thousand nineteen was my first one, and we talked about email and mental health. So I'm a I'm oh, I'm a yeah. third time a third time guest. I'm a season pro on this. You literally our
0: season. You're like fighting with Danielle for the most features on the show. <laughs> I think you guys are tied, so you know who's going to get that for hand. Look out, no. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll link her past episodes below, but I'd love for you to briefly introduce yourself, introduce Hype Gal, and we'll dive right into the good stuff. Yes. Okay. So I am Carson Murray,
1: and I am the founder and CEO of Hype Gal, which is a copywriting studio where I basically help small business owners like you, primarily women create the right message. So share the right message with the world so that you can market what you do and grow your business. And I specialize in copywriting, right? Um, and I know copywriting is super broad. There's so many things that you can do, but I mainly stick to the realm of website and sales page, copy email, copy and sales funnels, which we will dive into those topics today.
0: Yes. And you have helped me with all of those things, which is why I go to you as my copywriting expert. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned there's a lot of different things that fall under copywriting. So should we like break down what is copy? What is copywriting? What is a funnel? Let's just do a little one-on-one before we dive right in.
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is I, I love to educate. So I love to, you know, I'm a service provider, but I also love to educate um, so that, you know, people feel empowered when they're, when they're talking about these subjects, because I mean, for as long as you're going to have a business, you have to market it. And basically what copywriting is, it's the words that help you sell what you do. So anytime you are writing to promote something or to sell something that is copy, because I know there's a lot of, um, you know, is content writing the same as copywriting. And the, the very simple answer is no, it's not Content writing is anything where you are, you know, you're writing for content purposes. So think blog posts is a good example. Um, even podcast show notes, that's a great example of content writing. And copy is any type of marketing or promotional copy that is meant to help people make a decision and primarily a purchasing decision. So that is copywriting. I think, I think that's a fairly uh, basic answer, easy to understand answer of it.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I want to dive into a little bit of just like, I know what it's like to work with you. And I know messaging is huge for you. And I think this is where a lot of people struggle to write good copy is because there's no messaging. They're just trying to write copy from nothing. So why is messaging so important with how you work with your clients and kind of like, what does that look like?
1: Absolutely. So Anytime I start a project, even for myself or my clients, the very first thing that we do is we do messaging and market research. They work hand in hand. And I feel like people don't do either one of those before they start trying to write for their offers or market themselves on a sales page or a website or even an Instagram caption, or they do messaging and they don't do market research. So we'll we'll kind of combine those two. But the reason why messaging is so important is it's because you are forming the specific way that you're going to speak about this offer. So I use a a messaging framework and a formula, and actually you just used it the other day for um, your offer. So that was really exciting. But You know, I use this formula to craft messaging. That way we know exactly who we're speaking to. So we need to know who we're speaking to, what kind of problem our offer is solving, what the solution to that problem looks like, what are the positive results that are going to happen for our ideal client or customer if they engage our offer? What is at stake if they do not? Um, What's a simple plan we can put into place so that they can go from point A to point B? What is their transformation going to look like? Um, How do they feel emotionally about struggling with this problem what are the different problems that not engaging with our offer will cause them? Right. So there's actually, people often think that there's only one level of problems that someone faces when it comes to their offer. So for example, um, if people tend to really think externally and an example, I, I think women can really, you know, like a lot of women can relate to this or is like with your hair. Right. So a lot of times, like you go get your hair done because you don't like the way it looks on the outside, right? Like either your roots are growing out or, you know, your hair's too long or you're just, you're not feeling it, you don't like it, right? So the external problem is that you don't like your hair, but also, how does it make you feel right? It can make you feel insecure. Um, especially if someone points it out like, Oh girl, you need a haircut. Right. Then you feel like insecure. You feel weird about it. And then that forces you to go make a decision or book an appointment with your hairdresser, whatever it is. So there's actually different levels of problems that our ideal client or customer is facing, which we, um, dive into and uncover in messaging. Whereas if you were just to go out in the marketplace and be like, you know, you're, um, you need my offer because you're dealing with this external problem. People actually don't make decisions based off of external problems. They make decisions based off of internal problems. So diving deep into your messaging, not only uncovers all of these things so that you can form a clear and compelling message, right? And you can go out into the marketplace and confidently communicate that message, but you're not reinventing the wheel. Every time you talk about your offer, you have a cohesive packaged up message that you can pop on a website or a sales page or an email campaign. So that way, no matter where you're marketing your offer, your messaging is the same because it actually takes the average consumer about eight to 10 times to read your marketing copy or come across your offer to be like, okay, I'm finally understanding what this is and why I need it. So if you're talking about your offer, AKA if you have different messaging for that one offer, all over in all different places on your Instagram and your email, on your sales page, on your landing pages, you're going to confuse people. And if you are confusing your consumers, then you're losing them, right? Because we, we've heard this all the time, confused minds don't buy. So messaging makes your offers really clear, makes them compelling. It uncovers different problems and how you're going to solve those problems. And it also just allows you to present a cohesive message in the marketplace. And it makes it easier to write. I mean, you could probably touch on that because I um, let Natasha get one of my freebies. I made a messaging freebie that will be out in the world pretty soon. And um, I'll let you test drive it. And how did that make you feel about communicating your offer?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you're internal, like I'm thinking of myself as a marketer. I help so many people with that when it comes to Instagram, but it's hard when it's your own products because you think of what are the actual deliverables. Like they get this many lessons and then they get a bonus group and then they get all these tutorials. And like that isn't what sells people. And I think, especially when you're doing your own products, that's really tough. And I know that's really tough for me. So yeah, I mean, I think diving a lot deeper to essentially just become a problem solver with your offer is how you're going to be able to name your courses, LOL me, (laughs) but also how you're going to write your copy, how you're going to do your emails, how you're going to show up on stories, how you're going to create your reels. Like I think launching and selling is intimidating to people because they think that it's different across all the places when it's literally just delivering that message across all the places. So whether they're on all the places or just one, the place, one place, you know, they're getting that same message and they're warming up, warming up and they're sold.
1: Yeah. And you're right. That's that is what a lot of people run into. They're like, okay, I know my offer so well. I know the features. I know the benefits. I know why people need it. And then they go to sit down and write about it on a sales page or an email campaign, or even an Instagram caption. And they're like, oh gosh, I don't know how to put this into words. So really what messaging does, whether you're following a questionnaire that I give you, or whether, you know, I sit in front of you and we uncover your messaging, it's a way that you can confidently package up your offer and communicate it to the world. Because if you can't do that, then you can't sell something. Right. And if you are able to show up confidently and communicate your offer, then people are going to recognize that. Right. And also, again, you don't want to be talking about it differently. So it just helps you feel more confident and helps you make sense. And then where marketing research comes in is um, the way that you talk about your offers and the way that your ideal clients and customers talk about their offers could be two absolutely different things. And also it allows you to get more specific. And I forget, I need to memorize who says this, and I might have even said it on your podcast before, but the more specifically we can describe our ideal client and customer's problems and the way that they're dealing with them, the more inherently they believe that we have to have the solution for it. Okay. So for example, we'll, we'll use your industry, right? Let's say that you are creating a solution for Instagram video or something. And you're like, man, do you struggle to show up on video on Instagram? right? Yeah, that's good. And someone might say, yeah, I I do struggle. But if you put out a market research survey and you ask people like, Hey, how does showing up on video on Instagram makes you feel dot, dot, dot. And they said, Oh man, like it makes me clam up. It it makes, it gives me the sweats, right? Like just if they said something very specific and you said, Hey, just showing up on Instagram, like via video, make you clam up and you freeze and blah, blah. If you're, repeating their exact words because they gave it to you, they're going to connect with that messaging so much more than if you put your own words in their mouth. So doing that market research allows you to capture voice of customer data that you can repeat back to your ideal clients and customers, and it just makes them feel like you understand. And it's not manipulative. I know people might be like, oh, that sounds manipulative. But what that really is, is you're taking the time to understand them more. And it's only manipulative if you really don't have the solution to that problem, right? If you confidently have the solution to that problem and you care deeply about them no longer struggling with that, then you are presenting them with a solution that will save them time, money, um, insecurity, whatever it is that they're dealing with.
0: Right. And it's really just speaking their language because I think a lot of times we're so in our area of expertise that you're saying all these things that might be important to you and what you do and what you're creating. But when you really look at what your, you know, your ideal customer wants, they don't even know what the heck you're talking about in terms of that. So I think that's so important. And I think that like the most valuable way to market and create content and copy and all those things is like literally listening. I think it can be done informally, like Instagram stories, polls, questions, but also like, I know with working with you, like we're sending a formal form to our newsletter and saying, Hey, we need your feedback. And you know, this is kind of what it looks like. I'm curious if anyone's like, okay, yeah, let me do some marketing research, just took some notes. That's something I need to do. What are like some gold questions to ask? Yeah.
1: Okay. So some really great questions to ask your audience. And what I recommend doing is You can make it Mad Lib style, but I have found in my years of doing this that leaving open-ended questions so that they like presenting them with a really great question up front and leaving it open-ended so they can fill in the blanks with a lot of words because that's what you want. You want a lot of words. You want to give them the freedom to really tell you how they're thinking and feeling and processing this. So you might say, okay, first you need to get specific on the offer, right? You can do this with your overall business, but you know, let's, uh, I'm creating an email course for instance, right? So with my email course, I might ask people, Hey, do you have email marketing in your business already? And I might ask them, what do you struggle with? Right. As it relates to email marketing. All right. So that's not an open-ended question, but I need to get them. I need to show them what we're talking about here. So, you know, do you struggle with, X, Y, Z topic. Perfect. Okay, next question. Struggling with this makes you feel, dot, 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 leave it open, right? Mm-hmm. Since you haven't been able to accomplish this on your own, since you ha- haven't been able to find or DIY your way to the solution, you have, what have you been doing instead? Right. Ask them what they have been doing. Um, because that's going to give you an opportunity to be like, you know, so you might have been trying these things, but they haven't been working on a sales page or whatever it is. Cause you want to know what they've been trying to do to aid the issue that you're trying to solve. And then you want to ask them, you know, your perfect solution to this problem would be dot, dot, dot. And not only are they going to tell you what they they wish the solution would be they might even give you some ideas to add to that course or to add to that service a lot of times when I'm putting research out in the marketplace or to my audience I'm like oh my gosh I had no idea that they were struggling with something as simplistic as that because I'm creating a solution to or maybe like a solution that's the next level right I found in doing market research that people were actually struggling with some really basic things as it came to as it related to market re- or um, email marketing like how many times do I send an email? what kind of topics do I talk about when I was presenting a solution that was later on down the road. So right. now you might actually have some ideas for more courses. Maybe you split that one course up into a mini course, or maybe you offer like a mini service or whatever it is. So it's just so valuable. It'll allow you to um, use their language and speak it back to them in your sales copy or marketing copy. And also it's going to give you ideas for things later on down the road. So really I saying like, Hey, how does struggling with this make you feel? Um, what do you wish that you could do about it? Your ideal solution to this problem would be, I like to ask, so if I created an email course just for you, what would you want your transformation to be? Asking them how they want to transform. Because one of the greatest things that you can do in copy right off the bat is give someone an aspirational identity or show them how you're going to transform their life. So where are they now and where do they want to be? Right. Um, so asking them like, Hey, if I made this just for you, if it was a course, of course, just created for you. What would you want your transformation to be? And some people were like, Hey, I just want to be able to send one email a week to my list, or I just want to be able to do this. So I can give specific transformations instead of just one general one, or create a course that gives some specific transformations. And that also frees you up because, um, not only do you feel so pressured to create one solution or one transformation, but you're like, oh man, I can definitely provide this simple transformation for someone. I had no idea they were just looking for something so beginner level.
0: Yeah, I think it's really good to know because I think we overcomplicate our offers and the content we create sometimes when I've always noticed the simplest things I share. That's always what people want. That's that's yeah. always what I want. So it kind of helps us simplify things versus overcomplicating it. Are you hot Instagram summer ready? We are kicking off a three-part monthly masterclass series this summer to help you create more engaging Instagram content with ease. So this is the perfect opportunity if you are really wanting to up-level your content strategy, get ahead of it, and really catch up on those 2021 goals while we are in the summertime. So there's going to be three masterclasses from June through August. One is going to be all about content pillars to teach you exactly how to create the foundations for your content strategy and know exactly what to post on Instagram. Then I'm going to show you how to batch your Instagram content so you'll understand how to save time on your content each month. And then I'll talk about content strategies for boosting your engagement. So if you're so lost on what type of content to focus on in 2021 on Instagram, we're going to cover all the best content strategies to really help you build an engaged community of followers. So if you want to save your spot, be sure to access your ticket in the show notes or at shinewithnatasha.com slash summer. You're going to get replay access. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be a workbook. It's going to be a ton of fun. So hope to see you there for hot Instagram summer. And I feel like this naturally goes into funnels and sales pages webinars, all of those types of things. And I don't like the word webinar, but, you know, workshop, live class, you know, whatever word we want to use. But I'd love to break down why would someone need one of these things, a funnel, whatever it is, but also what are the different levels of this? Cause I know like the first funnels that we built together is completely different than my funnels. Now, as my business has grown, my offers change, you know, my lead pool changes. So I'd love to like talk about like just getting started and then also like how we're going to scale that.
1: Yeah. So I specifically specialize in the just getting started sales funnels, but I can speak to the other ones too, yeah. obviously, but Because I know that the word sales funnels, let's just take a moment of silence for everyone that was very overwhelmed by the word sales funnel. Yeah, we're sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, Because I know I know it can be overwhelming, but listen, it does not have to be overwhelming. And I'm gonna break down the different parts of your essential sales funnel in just a moment. Essential, foundational, whatever you want to call it. I'm gonna just kind of build you your foundational sales funnel. So when it comes to sales funnels, so choose one of your offers, choose something that you offer, whether it be a course or a service or a product, you know, something signature. Just pop that in your mind. First, what you want to do is you want to create a brand message or a marketing message for it. Right. And we just talked about messaging a few minutes ago. So you want to put some research out there and you might be like, well, Carson, it's already like out in the marketplace. Cool. You can you could definitely can slash should, I don't like to should people be doing research on existing offers already because the marketplace changes, they might need something different. So you can still go do research on things that have been out and about, um, that you've been offering. So choose your, choose your offer. Let's create some messaging. Let's do some market research around it so that we can really infuse that messaging with some really good voice of customer data. Cool. Messaging is the very first pillar of your sales funnel. Next, what you're going to do is you're going to pop that message on a website or a sales page. Doesn't matter which one you want to do. If you want to add a sales page to your website, cool. But we want to um, you know, just relay the messaging for that offer on some type of copy, sales page, website, whatever it is. All right. So we have your messaging. We have your sales page or website page. And then after that, we want to create a lead generator that is going to attract and qualify potential customers or clients to that offer. And when I say lead generator, yes, freebie is the same thing as a lead generator, but I'm trying, I'm trying to up-level your marketing lingo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So while your friends are still out there saying, oh, my freebie, you can be like, oh, do you need your lead generator? So lead generator slash freebie, right? And a lot of people are like, okay, so I just need to go create some free content. Kind of. You need to create content that attracts and qualifies people to that offer. So you don't want to just create anything that someone's going to download because after that lead generating freebie, you're going to follow up with a welcome to sales campaign. So when they opt into that freebie, obviously they're going to get the freebie first and then you're going to welcome them to your brand and emails that follow. So usually I create like two week email campaigns for a welcome to sales campaign. And at the end, you are pitching the service that was related to that freebie that you created messaging for. Okay. And then after that campaign ends and just stay with me, stay with me. I know it's a lot after that campaign ends. So you're welcome to sales campaign. Then they're going to fall off into your nurture campaign. So you are going to continue nurturing them hopefully once a week, for as long as they want to be your subscriber so that your brand stays top of mind, forward facing, you become their expert. And eventually when they're ready to buy, they choose you. So the different levels of a very basic foundational sales funnel is your marketing message. Then you want to transfer that to a sales page or a website services page. You want to create a lead generating freebie that attracts and qualifies them to that offer. You want to follow that up with a welcome to sales campaign. You can call a sales campaign if you want. I like to welcome them first. And then they're going to fall off into your regular nurture campaign. So that is your done for you foundational sales funnel.
0: Amazing. And I want to talk a little bit about sales pages and league magnets. So with sales pages, I know this is something we've talked about is when I was like, I was hunting for a coach and I messaged them and I was like, okay, like, can I see a sales page on this program or just some details on it? And she's like, oh, I don't have one yet, but let's book a call. And uh, I, yes. uh, <laughs> I panicked because I needed a sales page. I needed a sales page. Carson is the same way. And I know not everyone might be that way. Like maybe you're the type of person you just want to get a call with someone and be converted. But like, why is a sales page important but also, prefacing that a sales page doesn't have to be bougie and by the lovely Claire, which has done my sales pages, but it totally can be. You know, shameless plug to her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because typically in our audience, so I know everyone's like, oh, choose your audience avatar, build them out. Who's your ideal client? We can have different ideal clients for every offer, right? And I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. You definitely, um, you know, should know who this buyer is for that offer because that really helps you create your messaging, etc. But. What I like to tell people is pretend like that ideal client or customer has four different clones of themselves because within our audience, within our, within our ideal client or customer audience, we have four different types of those people, right? We have the analytical buyer, we have the amiable buyer, we have the driver buyer, and we have the expressive buyer. And each one of those people has a different way of purchasing something for us. And on our sales pages, we get to talk to each one of those people. So Natasha, you might be, what is sounds like because this is who I am too is I'm more of an analytical buyer um Mm -hmm. even more of like a a driver buyer right so analytical buyers are motivated by information we want to know the details we want to know the facts like what are we getting like cool 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 um you know I want to know the facts I want to know the deliverables the features etc whereas like the amiable buyer they just want to vibe with you they just want to know that you like the same coffee as them, maybe, and that you have a dry personality like they do, or like you know, whatever it might be. They just want they want to connect with you. Um, you know, the driver buyers are the people that are motivated by like power and respect, so they want you to come off as like just really strong and confident in your offer. And expressive buyers, they want to know what the transformation is, like how are you going to transform mm-hmm. their life, right? And they're also impacted. Uh, they make decisions based off of other people in their life too, and how it's going to them. So sales pages are important, not only because you get to pop your messaging on there, because, but because you have the opportunity to speak to so many different people. And I think sometimes when people are creating sales pages, they're like, Oh, I'm speaking to one person. You're not, you're speaking to one ideal client or customer that someone helped you create like an avatar, but that avatar has different clones of themselves and they all make decisions different ways. So you not having, you not being able to see that information in front of your face to look at it to process it, to be like, yes, this is what I need. I love this. That prohibited you from committing to that person, whether or not they would have been a great coach for you or not. And that's the thing. You don't have to have the best offer in the marketplace. You need to be the one that is able to communicate it clearly and in the way that your ideal client or customer needs you to communicate it. Mm-hmm. So someone having that sales page in front of you allowed you to make that decision and that's how it is for a lot of people. And maybe the amiable buyer type, like if you were just more like, Oh my gosh, I love this person. I saw them on Instagram a lot. They're my vibe. They're my style. They make me laugh. Yes. I'll buy it from them. But that is a quarter of your audience of your ideal client or customer. So you're missing out on 75% of what you could be bringing in. If you don't have a sales page potentially.
0: Totally. And I feel like also like when you were mentioning that, I also feel like maybe people can be possibly a mix depending on how warm of a lead they are. Like if you've been following someone for like two years, you've been on their newsletter, you've been engaging with their content. You're in such a different place, and like if I just discovered, like if you just discovered Carson from a podcast, and you're like, okay, I like her, but I still need to maybe learn a little bit more. I need to see the sales page, and need to sell whatever that is next. So I think that's really important to note, and I think that's why. All the things you mentioned prove that, yeah, your sales page doesn't have to be fancy. If you don't know how to design really advanced websites, if you just have, you know, whatever email marketing provider you have, if you're just making like a landing page there, like I think this can be really scrappy, but I think it also shows like where an investment can pay off if you need to invest in design too.
1: Yeah. And this is actually why I'm going to just piggyback off of that. This is why sales funnels are so important. Basically what you just said. So someone listening to me on this podcast, they could be like, Oh my gosh, she is spitting gold. I love it. I (laughs) like, you know, if you love my personality, cool. I love that too. Um, but so say that you are warming up to me. This is the first time that you met me. First time you came across my brand. Cool. This is our first date. And I'm very happy to be on this date with you. Kind of nervous, so this is our first date, right? So the next thing that you might do is you might go check out my Instagram. That's our second date, okay? And then if you really like my Instagram, you really liked what we talked about on the podcast, you might go to my website. That's our third date. If you go to my website and I don't have a lead generator on there that connects you to my email list and you just, you follow me on Instagram, cool. We, we all know that that doesn't mean you're going to see my content all the time, If I don't have a lead generator on my website or I don't have something that connects you in order to build a long-term relationship with you, our date could end at the third date and I might not get to date you anymore and you might not get to know me. But if I have a lead generator that connects you to my email list, now you're going through my welcome to sales campaign, that's our fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, whatever date, um, depending on how many emails are in that sequence. So now we're dating. And again, the average consumer needs to touch base with you about eight to 10 times in order to make a buying decision to where they trust you. So these different personality types, buyer types have the opportunity for me to present them with facts and figures for them to get to know my personality, for me to earn their respect all through an email campaign. Whereas if you didn't hop on my email list, now I'm relying on Instagram to do that work for me. Right. Which is great, but you can see how, and you can do do that definitely via Instagram video. I mean, you can connect with people. You can really expedite Mm -hmm. this relationship, but I have to count on you seeing my content where if you hop on my email list, I'm also expediting the relationship by staying forward facing and in your inbox while also hopefully connecting with you on Instagram. So that's why a sales funnel is so important too, is because it's taking you, taking you and your ideal client through the dating process um, in a more formal and continuous way and kind of like more of a secure way um, to help them commit to you.
0: Yes. I could not agree more. And I feel like some people are listening. They're like, Natasha, like Carson's coming for Instagram. Like, is that what it is? And no, 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 she's not. She's not attacking me. We're not throwing hands (laughs) off camera, but, um, no, I think it's really important because whenever I have recapped live launches and why I think they're important, what strategies I think are best. I always say, do not rely just on Instagram and Instagram. Yeah. Your story might help. You're alive might help that, you know, conversation you're having in your DMS. That's going to help. Those are all really, really important, but yeah, when you're getting to that inbox, there's no algorithm in the way, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're, and they're that qualified lead because they've opted in for that lead magnet. So you're at a whole different level there. Yeah. And they just complement each other
1: so well too. So let's say, our ideal client, right? Um, they start following me on Instagram and maybe they start following another copywriter on Instagram. And so they're seeing our content, they're watching our stories, they're connecting with us. And I mean, obviously Instagram has a huge advantage because email doesn't have video and video helps people connect so much easier and quicker and gets, you get to see people's personality via video. So there's really, honestly, there's no competition between Instagram and email. Besides the fact that we all know and unfortunately have to accept that it couldn't disappear, but it's right. not going to because we're just speaking that into existence. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. I <laughs> um, lost my job. <laughs> so, so That's the only main difference. That's really the only argument marketers can make about emails is, is that. So yeah. anyways. Um, but so imagine, you know, they're following me and another copywriter and they're, they're watching us on Instagram. They like both of our personalities. Cool, cool, cool. They don't know who they're going to choose, but they opt into my email list. And now I'm showing up in their inbox once a week, giving them value valuable information, staying forward facing. They're getting to know me in double time, right? They are going to remember me more over someone who they're just Relying on Instagram to show them their content, totally. essentially. So you're just doing your brand due diligence by building some security and also showing up in more than one place and nurturing them and providing them with exclusive content.
0: Right. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And that makes me think of and to plug the Hype Gal newsletter. I think anyone that's on your email list, I mean, you know how bougie it is. You know it's the best of the best. Um, it's <laughs> like, no, I'm blushing. But I seriously, know. it is the best newsletter. And I wanna, I wanna have you cover why that is. Like, is it the frequency? Is it how you format your emails? Is it because every single one has a PS? Like, let's break down a good email newsletter so I can take some notes, but also so everyone else can too.
1: Okay, so. As far as frequency goes, because I feel like that's a lot of people's questions. Like, oh my gosh, how many times do I need to be sending an email? Natasha, what do you, you do yours is once, um, my, I feel Mine's like yours is once a month and then some okay. sprinkles
0: and yeah, between. cause I feel like
1: I see your content more than once a month. Yeah. So what I typically encourage people to do, and again, I don't want anyone hearing me say that there is one right or wrong way to do that. Cause I know there's some analytical people out there that are like, Carson, just tell me what the perfect number is. And I will do it because that's how I am too. I'm very, you know, right or yeah. wrong in my thinking, but I just want you to, there's no good or bad way to do Well, there's a bad way to do it, but there's no right or absolutely wrong way to do it. This is just what I recommend in order to see better results. Cause again, your email list is something that you are creating content for and Lord knows we're already out here creating content right. um, for all different other types of platforms. So um, I want to help you make the most of it and see the most success. So typically what I recommend is showing up in your subscribers inbox once a week. Okay. So if you can, once a week, if you can, if you're like, wow, I don't know, I think I can only do once a month. That is an amazing start too. Okay. So I don't want to belittle small, you know, that, that beginning for you, but I would encourage you to try to work up to once a week. And here is why. So let's go back to, um, ideal client opting into two inboxes. Let's say I send an email once a week and my competition is sending it once a month and my ideal client opts into both of our inboxes. If I am sending an email at higher frequency, think about all the emails you get every day, first of all. So let's, let's pretend like this is your inbox. If I'm showing up in your inbox once a week and my competition is showing up in your inbox once a month, who are you going to remember more? right? You're going to remember me more. You're going to get used to seeing me. You're not going to be surprised when I show up. You might even be excited and delighted because you know, I'm delivering valuable content. And then when my competitor shows up in your inbox once a month, you're just like, Oh, what is this? And you might even ignore it, whatever it is. Okay. So that is why I encourage you to up your frequency to once a week. Also, it helps improve your deliverability rate, which I'm not going to go into all that nerdy stuff. We can do that on another day, But when someone is opening up your emails on a more regular basis, it's showing their email service provider like Google that you are a trusted source. So you're less likely to end up in spam or promotions. Whereas if you um, send an email once a month or maybe like every other month and someone isn't reading them because they're not opening them because they're like, oh, who is this? I forgot that I even opted into this email or what I opted in for then, you know, you, you might land in their spam or promotions folder because they're not opening your emails and it's not increasing your deliverability rate. So there are so many pros to upping your frequency. I personally send an email three times a week and you might have just like gasped for air. I send an email three times a week uh, because email is my platform of choice. I love my email list. I love providing value. And your follow-up question would be like, oh my gosh, Carson, aren't you bombarding people? Aren't you bothering them? Are you bothering people by posting anywhere else three times a week? Are you bothering people by hosting three clubhouse chat rooms a week? Are you bothering people by Mm -hmm. showing up on Facebook or Instagram? No, because you're providing them with valuable information. I'm not in people's inboxes (laughs) for no reason, just cluttering it or, you know, asking for a sale all the time. I am really nurturing and providing value for my subscribers to the point where I get emails that say, I have never responded to an email before. I love responding to yours. I never thought I would really like to get as many emails, you know, a week as you send, but I open Mm -hmm. up every one of yours. So it's a paradigm shift. You have to change the way you're looking at the content that you're sending and get people used to you providing high value. And also for the people that don't just like Instagram, You don't want people following you who don't pay attention and engage with your content. You don't want people on your email list who don't open your emails and don't pay attention to your content. It's no offense taken. We just have to look at it honestly the same way.
0: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And I, I love how you touched on value because I think I saw I think I saw Gary Vee. Gotta love Gary V. He he posted on Instagram where someone was like, How do I like am I giving away too much stuff for free? Mm. And of course you you probably know where I fall in this ballpark, but where does it come? with email marketing, can you give too much away for free? Like how deep should you go? How long should the emails be? Like what does mm-hmm. value really mean? Cause I think people struggle there where they're like, if I give too much for free, why would people want to buy? But I think that's, that's why you yeah. want to give people a lot for free.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my personal take on this is that you could give you could give away the whole bakery and someone is still going to show up at your shop because of the convenience, because they're not going to feel like they're doing it right. And because they don't have your expertise. Okay. Um, and I, I would consider myself a very generous brand a lot like you and Natasha, just, you know, not really afraid of that aspect of Mm -hmm. giving too much away for free because I I like to err on the side of generosity, but when it comes to value, first of all, length of emails, (laughs) best practice, quote unquote, best practice states that (laughs) your email should be around 250 words. Okay. LOL. Lots of L's after that. My emails are probably around like 500, right? So that's not really going to deter anything, deter, keep your readers from reading your emails. If it's like, oh my gosh, 250 words. Like I haven't even sent a text that short before. What you really want to focus on is the formatting. So what I often try to encourage people to do is not like have chunky paragraphs, right? So not have like 10 sentence paragraphs, maybe just two at a time, use bullet points, uh, you know, space things out because people don't just like people don't read websites and sales pages. They don't read the whole thing. They don't read your whole email either. They scan them. So you want to make sure the important parts are bolded, that things are, um, again, put in, um, bullet points, spread your information out, make it easy for them to read. Because if they're opening up an email and just like paragraph after, paragraph after paragraph, their brain is going to say, Oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. I don't have time for this. Bye. You know, mm-hmm. and they're going to swipe and delete your email or they're just not going to read the whole thing and take action. Also start with the problem, you know, just again, Email is a lot like the way you craft your emails is a lot like Instagram. Okay. Yeah. So start with a problem. You want to hook them from the subject line to the subject line that you use to get them to open the email, um, to the very first line of the email. Don't talk about what you're going to talk about. Okay. Just start with the problem that you're going to solve and get to the solution very quickly. I see. And you know, I see people like, oh, you want to tell a story? Yeah. I mean, yes, storytelling is good and it really does work. Um, but don't, don't tell too long of a story, right? And you want to tell a
0: boring story. Yeah. Right? Don't tell a boring
1: story. <laughs> you, want, you want to tell an interesting story. And again, you want it to be about them. So, you know, have the main focus be about them and solving a problem. And pay attention. So pay attention to the emails that you really like and write emails like that. Create a folder. I have a folder in my email called good copy. And whenever I see someone writing good copy, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person got me to read the email from subject line. So from opening that email all the way down to the PS section. So pay attention to that drag those emails into a folder and be like what did they do analyze it they probably started with a the problem they probably told a short story to get you engaged they probably pre- presented you with the solution me personally i like to start with the problem i like to present the solution show them what to do and i like to peace out cuz that's what people are looking for and i want to get them you know conditioned to me solving problems i would rather be known as a really great problem solver than someone who tells a really clever story Okay. Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can tell a good story. It's okay. Just solve someone's problem. That's all anyone's looking for you to do is just transform their life. If in two minutes of them reading, you can make their life better. You can help them, help them save money, improve their business. They're going to remember that. All right. Um, And I know you're going to ask me about the PS section.
0: Yes. I (laughs) uh, love a PS. Well, I use it in Instagram too. It's universal. It is a thing.
1: Yes. I'm really (laughs) realizing in this podcast, how similar. I know. Instagram and email formatting is and it's just it's so good because I feel like everyone is so used to writing captions for Instagram and right. you know writing a really like the first line of your Instagram caption you could almost change into a subject line for an email totally is what 100%. is what I'm seeing now and this is really going to help me for my course because people are used yeah. to Instagram yeah. um so yeah for the PS section, absolutely, you should have a PS section. Studies show that 99% of people will scroll to the bottom of your email and read the PS section. Um, so oftentimes, I'll be like, hey, did you scroll down here first? Like today, yep. in my email, I sent my email list coffee, so a little Starbucks coffee, a little barcode. And I also, I forget what else I did in there, but I just felt like being really generous today and buying coffee because I was like, hey, it's almost the end of quarter one, and we've been in a pandemic for a year. I feel like you could use a coffee. And so in the PS section, I was like, Hey, did you scroll all the way down to the PS section again? Cool. You missed a free coffee. So you might want to read. this." (laughs)
0: Um,
1: and I was just funny with it, but really what you want to do in the PS section, since we know people scroll down there is you want to summarize the email in just one sentence. If you can two sentences at the most. And also if there was a call to action in that email, we also want to pop it in the PS section. Okay. So if they're going down there, Summarize your email in like a one liner, two liner at the most, add your call to action, and then just get out of there. You don't want to write a whole paragraph to them. Right. Um, keep it short and sweet. So, highly recommend you add a PS section. Also, you know, even if you don't have anything for them to click on in your email, so if you're nurturing people, nurture campaigns are not meant to hard sell your audience all the time. However, I tell my clients that we always want to ask for the sale. And the sale could mean you're just asking them to reply. You want them to go visit you on Instagram. You're sending them to a blog post because what we really want to get people used to doing in um, our emails is we want to get them used to clicking on things and replying to us, whether or not we're we're selling something for profit or not, because we want to show them, Mm -hmm. Hey, it's safe to click on things in my email and it's safe to reply to me. But also with that, you need to, you know, stay true to your promise and respond back to them because getting them to click on things in your email again improves your deliverability and click rate, right? It shows their email service provider that you're trusted, that you're not a bot, um, that you're not some spammy email sender. Um, and also getting them to reply to your emails. Listen to me, there's nothing better than getting them to reply that boosts your deliverability. Uh, Just insurmountably because it really is showing their provider. Hey, this person is not a bot because bots cannot reply to your emails. So Mm -hmm. when people say 10% of your list, no, it's a lot of people, depending on how big your list is, but say 10 people respond to an email that you send. And those are all Gmail users. It's going to show Gmail. Oh, this person is trusted for sure. Do not send them to spam. Right. Because then it looks like you're having a back and forth conversation just as if you were Via Gmail. Okay. Right. Um, so ask for the sale via replies, ask for the sale um, by sending them to your blog post, your Instagram. Like for clients, I recommend them, you know, if you're repurposing content for Instagram, and we can talk about that if you want, because I know people often yeah. do ask me, like, hey, can I talk about the same things that I talk about on Instagram? Hey, Natasha, you want to co- make a combined Instagram and email? I'm just kidding.
0: I literally am like <laughs> thinking of this. I'm like, are me and Carson, the same person just on different just platforms. Different
1: platforms. <laughs> um, but anyways, so, uh, shoot, what was, Oh, I, I tell my clients like, Hey, if you made a reel that performed really well, send it to your email list next week. Yeah. Just be like, Hey, did you see this? You know, like maybe provide them with some exclusive content that you didn't talk about on Instagram for that reel, and then go send them so they can check it out. Right. Send them somewhere. So if you're like, yeah, for my nurture campaign, how do I ask for the sale? There's so many ways, but touching on that, can I use Instagram and email interchangeably, I want to say yes, because I want to encourage people to repurpose their content as much as possible, because I know we all spend so much time creating content and I do not take that lightly. Here's the thing you want to do that with email. That's a little, a little different. Email lists are precious. They're exclusive. It's someone inviting you into your inbox where someone might be like, yes, I'll follow this person. I'll follow this person." Because. People are conditioned and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Natasha, but people are conditioned that, yeah, we might be a little choosy with who we follow, but we know with the way that Instagram works, we might not see their content all the time, mm-hmm. right? So we, we don't feel as cluttered, would you say, with, with people yeah. that we choose to follow. But with email, we're like, we're a little bit more selective with who we let in our inbox. So if someone's letting you in their inbox, you really want to provide I would say more exclusive content, treat them a little bit more exclusively. What I would encourage you not to do is the same day that you post a caption on Instagram, you also repurpose that caption and send it to your email list. Because then that kind of in a sense, makes you look lazy and your email list might be like, well, I saw this on Instagram earlier. What's the point of me being on your email list? You know, right. but if you are looking back at last month's content and you're like, oh my gosh, that performed so well, or that performed so well. Yeah. Repurpose that content and send it to your email list. Maybe even pull one hyper specific subject out of that caption and, and focus on that. So you already have a little bit of uh, content created and you're just expounding right. on it. Maybe someone asked a really great question in the comments and you can teach on that in that email. So use your Instagram captions as like your content pillars. So the same things that you talk about on Instagram, you can most definitely talk about on email, but get a little bit more um, exclusive, get a little bit more specific, deliver something to of a higher quality. Uh, if you are going to post something on Instagram, maybe share it with your email list first, right? So for instance, my blogs, I write blogs, um, (laughs) try to write blogs once a week. Let's say that let's, that's a better way of saying it. (laughs) And I will let my email list know about my blog three hours before I post it on Instagram. Cause I want my email list to know, Hey, you get this content first, even if you see it on Instagram later. Right. So they can be like, Oh, I already got that because Carson lets us know about it first via email. If you're launching something, let your email us know first. If you're doing market research, lean on your email list for that first, treat them to Starbucks, just, you know, whatever you can do to make them feel special and be like, Hey, I really appreciate you being here. I know you don't have to let me in your inbox. And I take that seriously. So, um, that is my recommendation for that. You can definitely, if you have content pillars for Instagram, mirror them over on email, use it as a way to funnel people to your podcast or to your blog or wherever it is. So if you're creating content in different places, like I create a blog on Wednesdays. Yeah. I, on Wednesdays, my content, my nurture campaign for my email is I let them know about my blog. I just let them know before anyone else.
0: Yeah. Totally. And I I completely agree with that. I feel like when it comes to the messaging, when it comes to like, just thinking of how we're going to nurture our email lists, it's all about having just like this really good, clear understanding of what people want and offering that solution but it's not reinventing the wheel. Your messaging is the same when you're selling. Your value adding is the same no matter what platform you're doing it on. It's just kind of giving it a little different flair and just how you're showing up for your audience is totally different. So I feel like this probably gave people so many great insights on things that they can apply. If you were driving, stop driving and re-listen and take some notes because I think you'll definitely be able to apply a lot of these to your business. So thank you so much, Carson, for dropping all those gems. And I mean, of course we need to know all the details, perhaps a course, perhaps a newsletter, Instagram, let us know where everyone can connect with you. Yeah, so
1: I made it pretty, pretty easy. Um, you can, you can find me on Instagram at hypegal.co. And that is also, um, my website is, uh, you can visit me at hypegal.co. But if you go to my Instagram, you'll have all that information in my bio because Instagram is great for that. And, um, that's where you can join my email list. I do have an email course coming out in June, which I think you'll be listening to yeah. this podcast around then. So definitely visit me on Instagram. Um, hop on my email list. If you are interested in starting an email list or if, even if you have an email list and you're like, oof, I haven't like emailed them since I delivered that freebie last year. Um, yeah, that's cool. totally fine. We're going to talk about ways that you can re-engage your email list, build that email list. Cause I truly do believe, um, it is the foundation of of your sales funnel. It complements Instagram and every small business owner should have an email list.
0: Totally. Completely agree. We will leave all of those links in the show notes. And thanks again for being on for the third time. This is so fun. Yes.
1: I love it. Looking forward to number four.
0: Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the Shine Online Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating if you love what you've heard today. We really appreciate it and it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.